Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me this week is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And she missed our top five movies this week, um, but I'm glad to have you back on Movie Club. How you doing? Much better, except now I'm kind of losing my voice and I feel like I sm- sound like a smoker, so well, bear with me, people. According to Phoebe Buffay, that just makes you sound sexy. <laughs> Ew! So I need to start talking like this. <laughs> and then I can be a radio DJ. That's it. There we go. You just get that nasally kind of Mark Maron voice going, and it's on. All the girls, though, for like all radio stations have like those... They do sound like smokers, but they're like those like slow, kind of low, wannabe sultry voices. <sighs> I'll never be a DJ. Well, you're a podcaster, and that's the next best thing, right? <laughs> yeah. So word. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Unpaid sponsorships. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> well, Corey, I don't know if you saw. I had a big, uh, big invite today uh, for a critic screening that you and I are both anticipating the film. Uh, which I want to be going to see A24's A Ghost Story. I'm so jealous. As soon as you said that we are both anticipating, I saw you and Mike kind of going back and forth about something, and it was a screening, but mm. I've been at work, and then I had errands to run, and I didn't have time, and I'm very bad at skimming, as everyone in the whole wide <laughs> world knows. So Yeah, I was super pumped because I was uh, – I think two days ago I was getting kind of worried because I hadn't had an A24 um, screening invite for a couple – since um, I missed uh, – it comes at night screening, but that was kind of not my fault because it came the same day as the screening. Um, and that oh. was also the day that Wonder Woman came out. And they said in the email, like, sorry, we think there was a mix up. Here's if you can make it. And I was like, crap, I hope they weren't mad that I didn't sh- like respond. Um, I did respond late that I was like, oh, I just got this. I didn't see it. I'm, I apologize kind of thing. I mean, they don't expect you to come to everyone. But I this so far, they're my only like confirmed critic. Uh, screenings that I get into, so I don't want to burn that bridge. Um, I'm hoping it'll help me get into some other ones, but... But plus, you know, also, not even on the down low, we both really enjoy most of their films. True. And Ghost Story is one of my most anticipated films of the year, but first, I don't really like Twitter. I know I have a Twitter, and every once in a while, I just like post like links to my Instagram junk, but I don't know who is doing the ghost story like social media and Twitter account, but they blow up my phone like all the time. Ah, well, all the time. Um, I am very excited about seeing it. I did get the invite. Um, it officially technically is out mm-hmm. on Friday, uh, on July seventh, but it's in. Mm-hmm. I think it's in super limited, maybe New York, L.A. kind of thing. Um, and the release date for wide is not for another two weeks or something after the screening. So. Um, I will have my review up. Um, I don't believe it's under embargo since it was at Sundance and stuff. So I should have my review up the next day. Um, but yeah, I'm excited that I get to go see it. I was I was waiting for it. There's also another A24 film that's getting a lot of buzz, particularly about the lead actor with Robert Pattinson. Um, a good, good time, which I'm very excited oh. about seeing as well. No, I'm, that's good that you knew that because I actually wasn't. <clears throat> I, I was pretty sure it was good time. Is it time or times? I don't know. Oh, okay. um, I. Just I, my time, my fault. I think that it is good time, but um, I recently I just heard about this from uh, someone I know here uh, in Boise because mm. I was like hyped up about a ghost story, and she's like, "Oh my god, I can't wait for a ghost story or that movie." And I hadn't even heard of it. Somehow that completely flew under my radar. I had heard about it, and then I did see a trailer for it. I think at it comes at night. Um, yep. So yeah, uh, I'm I'm very. 
I'm excited about it. It looks good, and I, I heard that um, this is like his De Niro level performance uh, for Pattinson. Um, yeah, because him and Kristen Stewart both got uh, a big, you know, stain on their career by doing the Twilight franchise. Because I think most serious uh, film lovers didn't take them seriously initially because of that franchise. Um, and uh, to be fair, they're they're bad in that movie, but I don't think it's them. I think it's the movie. I think it's the script that they're given to work with. Um, I also think that Kristen Stewart is just bad. See, but that is not a consensus among critics. And if you have seen, um, there's a, her current film that's doing really well within the critic community oh. is uh, the Ghost Shopper. I think it's Ghost. I might be wrong. Personal I think it's just shopper. the Shopper. I think it's Personal, personal shopper. shopper. Yeah, I think that's. I just gave a spoiler. Um, I haven't seen it, but <gasps> uh, from what I've heard about it. Um, I, it was an accident. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's in the IMDb plot summary though, so it's not like a major spoiler. But um, that movie's doing really well critically, and I want to see it. I just haven't seen it available to watch yet. Um, but she was really good. She was one of the best things of uh, Woody Allen's film Cafe Society. Um, uh, I actually liked her in American Ultra as well. Um, I I watch Adventureland. I don't recall much of it. Um. It was okay. But if you'll note, those three movies all have her and Jesse yeah. Eisenberg. They they are competing with Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling as uh, the new um, the new Hollywood couple, if you will. Like they've done. But sorry, guys. Ryan <laughs> Gosling all day, every day. <laughs> yeah, Eisenberg is good in the right role, but he is a you know fairly limited. Um, yeah, one trip pony. I like him in Social Network a whole lot though. But oh heck yeah, and also Zombieland, like he yeah, is good in the right roles. I just don't think he has a whole lot of range. Um, now, have you seen any movies since our last episode, aside from the one that we'll be reviewing momentarily, uh, Funny Games? I'm the worst. Um, no, I haven't had a lot of spare time at all. Had family uh here visiting. Also. Kind of a side note, I don't understand how people are go, go, go all the time. <laughs> <laughs> exhausted. I just, yeah, super exhausted from all that. Um, na, 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 na. What did I saw? I think the last thing I saw in theaters was It Comes at Night, and I've only watched an episode of Twin Peaks, the new ah, one. Have you finished <laughs> any more of Silicon Valley? No. Oh, man. No time. Maybe... Well- Mm, no. The season sorry. four premiere, uh, or not premiere, sorry, the season four finale was last week, uh, last Sunday, um, and it was it was pretty great. It's not perfect, I, but it's really good. Mm-hmm. I did see that they had gotten signed or something for, like, the fifth season, or I don't know how long ago that was, but... Yeah, I don't need, I'm not sure, but I, I would have been surprised if they didn't, because it's, it's doing really well critically, and I think people are watching it, but I've watched a few movies since our last recording, um... I don't remember what when did we record last uh, last Friday, right? So that yeah. was the twenty third. Okay, so I might have already talked about Cresha and high anxiety, but um, I went with uh, Mike from the Top Five Movie Podcast and from BerkReviews dot com, and our families actually both. We all went and saw Napoleon Dynamite um, at uh, our Polk Theater, the the old uh, art house type theater that we have in Lakeland. Um, it was cool seeing it on the big screen and. I had never seen the post-credit sequence in Napoleon Dynamite. Oh! Did you know there's a post-credit sequence? I've never seen that movie, and oh. now that I live in Idaho, I absolutely refuse. Well, a cool thing, and I think I think you know this. I think my wife sent you a picture, but we ran into Brandon, who is a, a former guest on this uh, podcast. Um, 
we ran into Brendan at, outside of Napoleon Dynamite. He had also gone and seen it, and we ended up uh, he got to meet Mike, which was cool because he'd heard Mike on the podcast, and Mike's heard about Brendan from you and I. Um, so they finally got to meet, and that was kind of a cool, like, you know, I don't so know. So this is who we're always talking yeah, about exactly. about each of them. Yes. <laughs> um, but then I have seen In Bruges, Patterson, Baby Driver, uh, Sweet, uh, Sweet. Holy Fran- hell! Oh, I'm not done. Sweet Friends. I don't know how to say this. It's a movie with uh, Michelle Williams. It's on Netflix. Um, <gasps> it's a period piece, too. Um, funny Games. I love her. I saw Baby Driver a second time. And I saw um, last night after Baby Driver, I went to my friend's house and watched Unthinkable, um, which is a... Uh, it's on Netflix. Mike talked about it with us when we did our, our top five Samuel L. Jackson movies. Um, it was a obscure one that uh, deals with um, terrorism and interrogation and it it poses some very intense questions about um how far will we go how far will you let humanity slide in order to protect humanity um as in like Mm. how how much torture is acceptable Uh, and is there any limitation on torture when millions of people's Uh. lives are at stake um Uh. it doesn't pose it perfectly but it's an interesting topic to uh to discuss and samuel jackson's pretty great in it carrie ann moss I think she does what the script wants her to do, and she's good when she, in in the movie. But her character does seem to flip flop way too like from scene to scene. It's like one scene she's like totally against what's happening, and the next scene she's like, "This is what has to be done." And I'm like, okay, everybody needs to pick a stance. I can't deal with constant flip flopping. Like, yes, over yeah. the course of time, you should you know maybe maybe your views will change, but it shouldn't be like, okay, do it. Wait a minute. Why are you doing that? It's like you just told him to do it. Like, calm everybody, calm down, and pay attention to what's happening in the script, please. But and make up your mind. Yeah, that that part got a little bore, uh, not boring, but bothersome because I'm just like, okay, guys, I get it. You don't know what to do. But um, I'm not going to talk about every movie. I do want to rave about Baby Driver. I I've mentioned my I won't spoil anything. Uh, first of all, because it's an amazing movie and everyone needs to experience it. It's getting it. so hyped though, and it makes me so nervous. Don't. Um, there's nothing to be worried about in the world of Edgar Wright. So, here's the thing: I have taken my daughter to the movies a lot over the last three years, and she is. Uh, I'm I'm always happy with her because she her taste is pretty varied. A lot of times. Um, Movies that you think a 13-year-old or a 12-year-old or 11-year-old, because that's really when we started going, um, wouldn't like. She often does, and um, great examples are like North by Northwest and Psycho she was really into. Um, she loves Singing in the Rain, but then we you know, and we saw all those on the big screen, so when I say that, like I'm not saying we watched it at home. We went and saw those when they had special screenings. Um, and then you know, a lot of newer movies, like she did not like Great Wall. Yay, because that movie's not very good. Um you know, for the most part, she's got pretty good taste in movies. She did like Suicide Squad a little more than I think is okay, but um, she, she's a kid, and that was the demo. So, even though it shouldn't have been, uh, it's definitely who they were like. They're like kids will like this, um, but uh, she's never wanted to go see a movie again. Like, not in the theater for sure. If we've seen it, she's done. And a great example of it was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. We went and saw Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, and then our friends wanted to go see it. And she was okay with going to see it again, but she wasn't really like, let's go see it again. Like, she liked Guardians a lot. She loved the first one. She liked the second one, um, I think, as much as the first one, if maybe a little less. Um, but the idea of seeing it again, it, it was like, eh, I'm good for now. Like, I, I'll watch it when we get it on DVD or whatever, but I'm good. Or Blu-ray. Um, with Baby Driver, one, I was really excited with how much she enjoyed it, because... It, it might become my favorite movie of all time. 
it's right it's it's neck and neck with Scott Pilgrim right now and I've seen Scott Pilgrim a lot so um kind of jokingly we saw it Tuesday night at the opening night on Thursday night my wife says we should go see Baby Driver and both my daughter and I immediately said yes let's go which shocked my wife and then made me smile so much because my daughter loved this movie as much as I did and that's awesome um now we have we subscribe to a music uh subscription service where we're able to play music um pretty much every album legally and i'm not going to promote which one because i'm bad about you know giving free uh support but you know there's a lot of them out there and we have one and you know my daughter loves music i am a musician so i i often will find myself kind of diving into random things and i like having full access to whatever i want to listen to so it's worth the subscription even if i only listen to it once a month um I can listen to whatever I want. So immediately after seeing Baby Driver, we went for the soundtrack. Unfortunately, on our streaming service, only three songs are currently available to listen to off the soundtrack, like from the soundtrack. Now, some of the songs are older, and we could probably find it from a different you know, album or whatever. Um, they're not all original songs. There are, A lot of them are licensed for the movie, but, and, but there are some remixes and stuff. Um, and so... I was, I'm bummed. Um, I, I think, though, because she's so into the soundtrack, too, which is another great thing. Not only did she love the movie, but she was really into the soundtrack. Um, I think we're going to end up getting the, the double vinyl, um, b- although it's yes. on back order right now from Amazon. Um, uh, but the reason I want to get it from Amazon is I don't have a, I'm not into vinyl like Corey and my daughter. But when we get it from Amazon, we get the rip to digital immediately. So if I get it, I get the digital copy on my Amazon account that I can listen to wherever I want. So I think that's what I'm going to end up doing. Um, but, yeah, uh, I can't hype that movie enough. I really want you guys to support Edgar Wright, though. Um, I am a huge fan. He is, as if you go back to our top five favorite directors, he's my number one. Um, he has been on all of my favorite podcasts this week because he's friends with Doug Benson. He's friends with Chris Hardwick. Um, he's friends with Scott Ackerman, who does Comedy Bang Bang. Um, he was also on... Those are three. I feel like he's on one more, and I can't think of what it was. But, um, yeah, he's just been popping up on everything. Um, and my favorite thing has been watching Twitter because uh, Guillermo del Toro gave a raving review about how great Baby Driver is. Uh, 13 tweets, in fact, about why everyone Holy needs to see heck. it. I sent a picture of it on our group chat, Corey, so feel free to go back a bit. But um, And then uh, Kumail Nanjani, who has Big Sick playing uh, initially just in L.A. and New York, um, and has already mar- it's spread to a few other major cities, and it's going to be wide everywhere in like a week or two. Um, he and Edgar are also friends, so they've been like cross promoting each other's movies, which has been really cool to see. Like, like you'll just see a random tweet where Edgar writes, "Like, well, I want everyone to see Baby Driver. Big Sick is amazing, and you need to go check it out." And then Kamel will later tweet something about going to see Baby Driver instead of Big Sick. Like, it's been for a few days now, and I find it very pleasing and enjoyable. Um, yeah, so. Baby Driver, if you don't know what it is, if the name throws you off, it is not a sequel to any of the other baby movies. So, like, if you're thinking, like, Boss Baby, like, no, 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 nothing to do with that. Um, it, it is a epic modern-day action fairy tale comedy drama thriller. I mean, it's it's just it's a masterpiece. That's what it is. It's his opus, and you must see it. Um, I think on the big screen especially. I know that I've seen it twice in theaters. Our friend Brendan has seen it twice, I think, in the same day. Um, holy hell he went early and then he went late if i'm not mistaken so um yeah this i am planning on trying to meet up with him actually and seeing it in imax as well um our, it is an imax it's playing at our, we have an imax 40x and maybe i'm wrong maybe it's just 40x and not imax 
Um, but 40x is the uh, the 4D experience, and uh-huh. uh, with like the the seats moving chairs. Yeah. So seeing Baby Driver in that experience could be pretty awesome. So we might go do that this weekend, um, possibly. Although that does cost like twenty dollars or something. So I'm not just sure. go. I know. Just go. I know, and that'll be my third time. And I have not seen a movie. I think my max is four with Jurassic uh, Jurassic Park, um, and that's uh, 1994, like when I saw that in the theater four times. And that wasn't all at the high-end theater. That was like two at the big dollar theater, then like one at the Boulevard Triple that we used to have and one at the Mugs and Movies we used to have. Like, Oh, yeah. So we don't have those dollar theaters anymore. So if I'm seeing a movie in the theater four times, one of those is from MoviePass, but the rest I'm paying for. So. And I'll tell you what, when I saw it, I was nervous seeing it the second time because sometimes my second viewings of movies are soured because I know what's Pick happening. Pick it apart. Yeah. Yeah. I had the same smile on my face. And I, uh, my, at the end of the first movie, my daughter said, I almost cried three times. And I looked and she doesn't usually admit to that. And I was like, oh, wow. And she's like, did you? I'm like, no. And then when I watched it last night, I almost cried three times. So uh, I think I was too excited the first time to like tears were not in my possibility. It wasn't, and, yeah. And then now that I was like, okay, now I'm just, just taking in the whole movie. I, like things started to get to me more. I was like, oh, okay. Um, Holy heck. Yeah. So uh, I saw a lot of movies this week. No, no doubt Baby Driver is my favorite. Um, and I again, it's literally in my top 50. It's number two right now behind Scott Pilgrim, both of which are Edgar Wright films. Um and the dude makes movies for me. Um, I am going to give one little spoiler, Corey. It's, it's so itty-bitty. It won't hurt anything. Uh, uh, when It's at the beginning of the movie when Baby first meets the girl. She's wearing a mm-hmm. name tag because she works at a diner. But it's not her name because she just started. So they just gave her like any name tag. Hmm. Guess what the name is? I don't know. It's Jonathan spelled the way I spell mine. Well, isn't that the correct way? I think we, so. <laughs> we need to talk about this. I've been seeing Jonathan spelled like J-O-H-N-A, like John, mm-hmm. Nathan, yep. like get it together, people. It, it, technically, mine get should be together. pronounced Joe Nathan the way it's spelled, but there's John with the J-O-H-N uh, with still the A-N ending, but there's also an O-N ending that I've seen. Gross. Um, and so I've never seen Jonathan with the E-N, though, so that's a new spelling we could try. Um, but. I was I was very stoked that her name was Jonathan, and I'm taking it whether he meant it to be or not. It's an Easter egg specifically for me, and I appreciate it. I'm pretty sure he listens. He uh, listens to this podcast. I, you know, I'm pretty sure. I've reached out to him a few times on Twitter. He's one of a uh, <laughs> few people who I've I've reached out to multiple times, and I think he's the only one who I've reached out to multiple times who I've not ever heard back from. Um, <gasps> which it hurts a little, but I mean he's busy, and I'm he sure probably gets billions fanboys yeah. all the time. Hey, hey, yeah. hey, I'm more than a fanboy. I'm also a critic, you know? Hey. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true as of the past year and a half or two years. But I think you're Mike. He probably Mikey. gets people coming at him. Mine? Yeah, it's it's it sounds a little like different than it did a minute ago. I'm not sure if maybe the cable came loose. Oh. Mm-hmm. Or it could be Is our that signal. better? Not entirely. It's not bad, mind you. Like I can hear you. It's just it sounds different than it did a minute ago. Weird. But we'll we'll just we'll carry on. We're gonna be uh, getting into trailer talk here momentarily. Um, cigarettes. I'm kidding. So you haven't seen anything, so you don't have much to add here. But you are planning on seeing Baby Driver. Duh. I was going. Okay, so Bill, uh, my sweet husband that works very hard, um, was working an 18-hour day in Salt Lake City yesterday. Ouch. So I. 
Yeah, he flew there in the morning at 6 o'clock and then flew back and landed at 11. So I think that's, I don't know how many hours, but too many. Um, And I really, really, really don't like to be home alone sometimes. So I was thinking about going, but I was like, no, 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 Bill's taking Bill's taking me. And if I go see it by myself, and Bill knows, he might not go with me. So Ah. I'm going on Sunday. Okay, great. Um, I definitely want to hear your thoughts. Uh, maybe on the top five Ugh. recording, we can hear what you thought. Um, okay. Now, that said, um, before we get into trailer talk, I just have to complain. I don't know how hot it's been in Idaho, but we hit uh, triple digits today. Holy hell! Yeah, I looked at my phone at like 12.05 or something, and it was 100 degrees according to my phone. And I was like, holy crap, I thought it was hot outside. No, I didn't. <laughs> I I had a, uh, we got a new table, a new dining room table today uh, from a, well, nice. new to us, uh, used from a friend, but um, it was funny because he, uh, my wife had seen a picture, like they posted a picture of it or something the other day on Facebook, and she wanted me to say something, and I, I, I forgot, just because like I didn't have my phone in my hand when she said something to me, and then when I did, I forgot about it, um, and so I I remembered at some point, I was like, ah, oh, it's probably too late, they probably got rid of it, and then my phone rang this morning, he's like, hey, do you mind? I have a truck, um, and he said, "Do you mind picking this table up and taking it to uh, the local? We have like a donation. Well, you know, I'm gonna give them a free plug. Uh, the care center. You mind dropping it off at the care center? Love the care center. And I was like, "How about, <laughs> how about you come over here, help me put my existing table in my truck, and then I take your table?" And he's like, "Yeah, that works too." I'm like, "Boom, let's do Rad. that." So uh, that's what we did, and I'm very happy. I like the table a lot. Kathy's very happy, uh, but but. The point of this is why I brought it up. 100 degrees while we're doing this. Very hot outside today, and it's been hot, but it was. It, it did rain, thank goodness, and it cooled I it down like dramatically. It gets really hot there, like really close to 100, but I can't remember like triple digits. Well, I've heard Arizona's been like 110, 112 or something like that like this week. You want to know why? Because they don't participate in daylight savings time, so I think that's why. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. That's some hate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, go fry eggs on your sidewalk. Um, no, it's been really hot here too, and I had to be a little baby and whine about it yesterday. My air conditioning has not been working, and like right now my air is going full force, and it's like 85 degrees in here, and I no. Uh, yeah. Wow. With your air full force. Oh, you said you thought yeah. your air was broken. I saw it on uh, Facebook. Yeah. And um, then, like, I feel like I'm talking about dumb stuff, but supposedly they fixed it. And supposedly they would never seen an issue like this before. But supposedly it's working, but it's still hot as heck in here. So here goes $5 billion electricity bill and still being warm. So I'll stop whining. Uh, well, I feel bad for you because the... The rain helped today because our air was starting to climb. Like I was watching the air. Like I keep an eye on my thermostat when I'm home from from summer, you know, for summer vacation, um, because right. our air can freeze up if it gets too hot out there. And um, and uh, it's been um pretty tough this summer uh, as our air will creep into like the high seventies, and then well, it's still cooler than outside. It doesn't feel like it, you know, because <laughs> but it doesn't feel good. No, it's so it's it's been pretty brutal. But um, eighty five sounds awful. Yeah. Mm-mm. Um. All right. So, I think with our complaints over, and Corey has <laughs> nothing to contribute with movies this week. I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> um, we're gonna move into our trailer talk. Uh, with only one trailer to talk about for July seventh. Let's get into it. <clears throat> Spider-Man: Homecoming. 
uh, the reboot of the Spider-Man franchise. Now, he, the character Spider-Man was rebooted in Captain America Civil War. So this is not our first viewing of Tom Holland uh, as um, Spider-Man. But it is our, his first feature um, as the character. And uh, it will have some cameos from at least Robert Downey Jr. And it looks like he might have a major part. Uh, Michael Keaton is playing um, Adrian Toomes oh. in The Vulture. Marissa Tomei is back as Mae Parker. Oh, it looks like John Favreau is going to be there as Happy, which is uh, the bodyguard slash driver. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow is listed as Pepper Potts, which I did not think she was playing that character anymore. Um, well, you know, she got divorced and she needs money. I'm just kidding. She's got goop. Um, Zendaya uh, is, that's her name. She's playing a character that has not been cleared what her role is. Donald Glover is in it, um, which uh, he was in the trailer we just watched. Um, which that was the first time I've seen that trailer. Um, yeah, same. Which I am not thrilled about because <laughs> I felt like I feel like they're giving too many trailers and they're too long and it's too much. They every trailer has felt like there's too much and there was a lot of new content in this one. I'm like, ugh, you guys, you gotta stop. You're giving the whole movie away. All I need to see this is um, I need to see him. I need to hear him be Spider-Man. Like I need to hear him as Spider-Man. I want to see him as Peter Parker for a few moments, and let me see Iron Man so that I know he's there. Otherwise, I don't need to see all of the great action sequences. I don't need to see that. Now they are trying to recover um, from the Amazing Spider-Man movies that bombed really bad. The second one, particularly, um, which that was recovering from Spider-Man Three that did really bad, and. Um, people are still torn. There are some people who still think Tobey Maguire is their Spider-Man. There are some people who were content. I am one of them to let Tobey Maguire fade into into uh, a very distant memory and let Andrew Garfield take the mantle. Who I thought I liked him. I did too. Um, I still no 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 Tobey Maguire man. Wait, I got confused. We're at odds. Oh, okay. The way you said it, it sounded like you were liking <laughs> Andrew Garfield. Okay. Um, oh no. No, and many people still list Spider-Man 2 as their favorite superhero movie. I didn't love Spider-Man 2. I have not watched it in a long time. I, I probably, honestly, I don't think it'll hold up. That's one of the reasons I have not rewatched it, to uh, to see what everybody loved about it. Um, I might have been bothered. I am an old-school Spider-Man comic and Spider-Man cartoon, like the, uh, the adventure. I, I think it was just the Amazing Spider-Man cartoon. Um, that ran for a long time. It was the same time as we had the great Batman animated series and we had the X-Men animated series. I loved all three of those as a kid. And there were some things about Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker that I never liked. Um, I liked some things about Andrew Garfield's. There were some choices, like making him a skater was kind of questionable. Um, but I liked his, uh, I thought his wit, like, in the suit was great. Um, what they did with Jamie Foxx's Electra wasn't the best. Um <laughs> In the second one, I didn't like going with Lizard as the first villain, even though I thought it worked in the movie. Um, it was interesting to go with Gwen Stacy instead of Mary J as his you know, first love. Um, and I thought Emma Stone was good in the movie. And, you know, it wasn't the best and wasn't the worst. Um, it was still better than Spider-Man 3. But what we haven't seen is a high school Spider-Man played by a person who's actually in high school. And that is what we're getting with Tom Holland. Um, Tom Holland is also uh, really athletic and into parkour, so a lot of the stunts are going to actually be Tom Holland doing the stunts, even though it'll be on green screen or whatever. Um, he is actually capable of doing a lot of the acrobatic type stuff, which neither Garfield or um, Tobey Maguire were capable of. Um, 
We're also getting a very New York sounding uh, Spider-Man. If you if you saw Civil War, you hear he's got a bit of a Brooklyn accent, um, and I really liked it. Uh, I loved his character actually in um, Civil War. Um, he's still got the wit, but he's got the uh, there's an awe about him because he's a kid and he's in the world of of adult superheroes, um, and he's he's excited about it. You know, he's he's excited to be a hero, and I think. Unlike the last two, I don't think we're going to get um, an Uncle Ben death scene unless we get it in a flashback. Um, but, you know, he's already Spider-Man. He's already this character. He's not becoming this character. He's going to become, I think, more of the um, amazing Spider-Man as the movie goes on. I think that's he's going to step into his own. So far, he's gotten a lot of assistance from Tony Stark, and I think what we'll see in this movie is him maybe shed that and, and step into his own personality of his own character so i'm super excited about this movie uh, i've been excited since they uh, since civil war basically um it's the first one that sony has let marvel kind of handle and that has a lot of hope because sony hasn't been getting it right so we're hoping that with marvel at the at the background running everything um that it's going to be great. Uh, Corey, I've said a lot. What are your thoughts on Spider-Man Homecoming? I really like Childish, and I really like Michael Keaton. So those are kind of drawing points for me. Yes, I go to movies because of the actors, guys. Um, but I still don't feel like this is one I'm going to probably see at all. Sorry. Really? Yeah. Guys, I have, I have superhero fatigue. Like, it's going to take a lot to get me... In a theater for one of those. And well, and that is something that a lot of um, <clears throat> a lot of viewers have expressed. There, are, there is a glut of superhero movies, and they're only going to get more. Um, we're averaging right now two Marvel movies a year. Holy heck! Technically speaking, with this one, it's three because we got Guardians, we get this, and we get Thor. Um, but with all of the new movies they're starting to spawn off, it's likely we're going to have three without the Sony crossover. But Sony's already announced a Venom movie, and it's been officially stated that it will be within the Spider-Man Marvel Universe. So Venom will exist within the Marvel Universe. Um, Tom Hardy's been cast as Venom, so we know we're getting that. Okay. Um, I really like Tom Hardy. And uh, we know that we are going to be getting, um, you know, there's still going to be uh, another X-Men movie and a Deadpool movie coming out. Um, and... Then we have the DC Universe. We have we got Wonder Woman, but we're also getting Justice League this year, um, about the same time as Thor, if I'm not mistaken. I think both are, are slated for November-ish uh, time period. So, yeah, superhero movies right now, they're in abundance. And then there are the occasional, like, knockoff. Uh, like, we get Kingsman, which is not a traditional superhero movie. It's more of a spy movie, but it is based off of comic book property. Um, and then, of course, you have all the uh, comic book TV things that are happening. Uh, the Inhuman trailer dropped yesterday. Um, which is yet another Marvel property, which is in the same world as, as the Marvel films. It's not the Netflix series. This is going to be a uh, ABC, I think, is the one who has because of the they're owned um, by Disney, and thus they're owned by Marvel. Um, they have, uh, I forgot, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and I think Inhumans have been kind of introduced on that show, and this is now like a spinoff series, um, which has, a, I think, at least one actor from Game of Thrones in it. Um, I'm not super familiar with the Inhumans. They are um, a variation of the mutant-type characters from the Marvel Universe, but they're not classified as mutants, and so Marvel's able to use them, unlike the mutants, who Fox has the rights to. It's all very confusing. I know way too much about all of it. So, Corey's not excited about it. I'm excited about it. I think that's going to be the, the case if you are into the superhero thing, especially if you're into Marvel. 
Um, I think everyone who's a fan of the Marvel movies should go see Spider-Man Homecoming. And if you are tired of superhero movies, but maybe you like Spider-Man, like I feel like if you liked anything about either of the Spider-Man film franchises, whether you're talking Spider-Man 1, 2, 3, or Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2, um, if you like anything about them, I think this is going to be as good, if not better, than all of them because of Marvel actually getting to control their property. Uh, keep that in mind. The Sony movies, um, you know, and you see it in the third movie. It goes way off the rails, and then Amazing Spider-Man still kind of went a little too far from the source material. And Marvel has always never they've they've not stayed a hundred percent to the source material, but they know the source material. They know what's good, what's there, and the casting has been. I mean, think Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth. Even if you don't like Thor, he's perfect as Thor. Like, there's nothing wrong with him as Thor. Um, <coughs> You know, Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow has been amazing. Nick Fury, Samuel Jackson as Nick Fury has been perfect. Um, you know, Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye is great. Like, every casting that they've chosen within the Marvel Universe, and so far what we've seen of Black Panther um, looks like perfect casting. I mean, uh, the, the, the list goes on and on. Where they've missed has been with villains a little bit. You know, you get Tom Hiddleston as an amazing Loki. Um, I thought Red Skull... Um, I'm, I'm drawing a blank all of a sudden on his name, a name I, I should know like the back of my hand. He is V in V for Vendetta. Why can't I think of his name? Mm. He's in Agent Smith oh in the Matrix. Um, that guy, whose name for some reason is eluding me, um, he was a good Red Skull, but they didn't use him enough, I don't think, as as a villain. Hugo Weaving? Been. Hugo Weaving is the name that I could not think of. Um, and then we even have Josh Berlin cast as Thanos that we will be getting soon, who's also going to be Cable. Um, yeah, so there's a lot to be excited about, even if you're kind of getting tired of comic book movies. And if you're tired, really think back. Was there a one that made you tired? Was it one of the DC ones? Because if so, don't blame Spider-Man for that. It's not his fault that DC made Batman vs. Superman and Suicide Squad in the same year, and neither were great. Um, one How many Spider-Man movies do we need though that's like i'm just so done with so many of it like even if I, I don't know if another iron man comes out i you know what i mean i'm just like how many do we need i not, i you know what i mean don't have let's see i don't have that opinion whatsoever like batman while i wasn't happy with the batman versus superman movie from last year i want batman movies i want as many batman movies as possible i want them to be good and so far many have been we've got a couple of stinkers you know, most people would say Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. I find joy in Batman Forever, even though I see problems with it. I still find joy in it. Batman and Robin is is a disgusting piece of, of poop that I can't tolerate. Um, but, you know, and even I love Batman Begins. I love Dark Knight. Dark Knight Rises, I still love. It has tons of problems. I still find joy watching it. Um, Batman vs. Superman, mainly hate it. But I did find some awesome sequences with Batman, even though I think he killed a bunch of people. Um, still found things to enjoy. Spider-Man has been one of my favorite characters forever. He he had the longest-running, number-one-selling comic book for many, many years until there was this whole fiasco with clones I won't get into. Um, and even despite dropping for a few years because of that fiasco, um, he still recovered. Spider-Man was, again, one of the number-one-selling books of all time. Um, he was one of the longest-running books of all time. The Amazing Spider-Man series went over 700 issues before rebooting. Um, so like one continuous Dang. continuity for 700 plus issues, 
um, before they finally broke continuity and went rogue with this whole Marvel Now thing and they did all this other nonsense comic book things to make more money. But Spider-Man is a beloved character. He's one of the longest-running characters, and I think there's still room for a good Spider-Man movie, and I think that's what we're missing. I, I don't think... I think you're right. If there, if you just have an abundance of bad movies, like let's look at the Fantastic Four franchise... Mm-hmm. Who wants a Fantastic Four movie? Nobody should say yes to that because even diehard Fantastic Four comic book fans, you should see it doesn't translate. It will never be good. It just won't. There, you would have to deviate so far from the source material, and then have a good script, which is what went wrong with the last one. They deviated from the source material and then had a horrible script, and it was just a disaster on screen. Um, that's, I think that property needs to die in terms of movies because do we need it no i agree with you in that way sometimes we don't need it spider-man if done correctly can be entertaining for everybody and so i think we need it so july 7th only trailer we have to talk about this week that's the only wide release coming out uh, nobody wanted to compete with this big marvel sony mashup so let's get into our movie of the week we're going to be talking in full detail here momentarily but we're going to start off with just kind of an overview of funny games. Um, we're talking about the 2007 version, which is the American version of funny games. Um, conveniently directed by the same guy who directed the first one from 1997. Um, if I'm not mistaken. I yeah. Hope. And apparently a shot for shot remake. Interesting. Have you seen both? No, I really want to see the original. Okay. Uh, Michael Haneke, I believe is how you say his name. It's written and directed by uh, Funny Game Stars, Naomi Watts, Tim Roth, Michael Pitts, uh, Brady Covert, and uh, Devin Gearhart, which I just realized who that was in that movie. Um, and then several other minor roles, which we're not going to get into. Those are our main five. Um, the plot summary on IMDb reads, two psychopathic young men take a family hostage in their cabin, which is a not a spoiler because it happens pretty early, but that is a... They try to, like, set it up like that's not what's happening, and then it, it is. Oh, crap. But, all right, so we're going to do what we do uh, normally, and that's to give our kind of overall take. Um, now, I had never seen this before. This is Corey's second time? Oh, no, I've seen this. Oh. I don't know. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but I don't know how many times. Really? Uh, this doesn't seem like I've... a movie you would want to rewatch. What, what, what drew you back to it? Um, I love the cast. And it's terrifying, and sometimes I think I need to be reminded, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Now, I will say, and this is funny because you were kind of talking about this phenomenon earlier. Mm-hmm. I think it was overhyped for me. In Who ter- overhyped it for you? You. In terms of Damn it. In, ter- in terms of scary. Um, I was expecting it to be like messed up like torture games, mm-hmm. and there's really not any games. Like... The, the game there's we'll talk in spoilers a little details and i know there's a mm-hmm. couple but i was expecting more of like hard candy type of torture mm. and it's not and not to say the idea of it is scary but i never felt as scared as i thought i was going to um and that's on me and i have this thing with horror movies like a lot of times the ones that i expect to really get into now I do want to point out um, the Metacritic score for this movie is only a 44. Yeah, uh, it's not high. But the user rating is a 6.5, which isn't high either, but it's at least in the positive. Um, I uh, I felt <laughs> Naomi Watts, I thought, did a yeah. pretty good job. Um, I thought Michael Pitts was great. 
and I thought they wasted Tim Roth. I don't think they gave him hardly anything to do in this movie. Um, I okay. Go ahead. I'm gonna say that I was reading up a little bit on this today, and I forget who did who voted it, but some some publication or some website or something gave it number twenty five out of the one hundred worst movies ever made or something. Oh wow. <laughs> See, I don't. I don't think it's that bad. Um, I and it's, I don't even necessarily think it's bad. I just didn't think it was great. Um, I thought it was an interesting premise. Um, I you know I, I was intrigued by it. I do think it's my the least amount of notes I've written down for any of the movies that we've watched so far. Um, and mm-hmm. most of my notes were noting um, the name changes. Like I have uh, Peter who. Ah! I forgot who uh, the guy's name is. Brady Corbett. Yeah, he's the only one on the cast who I well him and Georgie, uh, I am not familiar with at all. Um, yeah, Brady Corbett. Um, he is Peter, but he's also uh, Tom Tubby. I think at once he's called Toby, and he's called Beavis. Um, and yes, that is a Beavis and Butthead reference. Um, mm-hmm. And and uh, the Tom was Tom and Jerry. Really? Did they call? Yeah. He calls Peter Jerry. Yep. See, I missed that. I I somehow managed. To get, um, I'm sorry, Paul. He calls Paul Jerry. Um, I, I missed most of Paul's nicknames. He calls him Butthead once. I heard him call him something else, but for some reason, I think it might have been the way he was acting, like as he was shy and a little timid, uh, the other actor, Brady Corbett, um, compared to Michael Pitts, who's very confident and very in command of the situation. Yeah. Um, I thought he was great. Like, I really thought his performance was creepy. Um, but then everything else I have to say, I think I want to get into spoilers. So, um, I would like, as I've said, mainly negative things. Corey, defend this movie. You like this. You've seen it multiple times. What is it that you like about it without spoilers? Um, I can see what you're saying that you don't f- find it scary, but um, I feel like the fact that this is something that could really honestly happen in any neighborhood, this could potentially happen to anyone Um And this is going to sound so absolutely paranoid of me, but another reason that I have lived in an apartment for so long is because there's something so so isolating, even living in a neighborhood, like to live in a home, you know, like to live in a single family home. I just think that the fact that this is something that could very, very much be something that any of us watch on the news is pretty terrifying to me. I think that, um, that, Kind of, I mean, there are parts of the movies, obviously, that definitely break out of that. But um, for the most part, I think that, you know, this is something very real that could happen. I completely agree with that part. And I I think the premise is very scary. I think any home invasion movie, whether it's um, exactly the strangers was one. I think that's is that the Liv Tyler? No, that's no vacancy. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. That is Liv Tyler's strangers. No vacancy has my boy Ethan in it. Oh, Okay, I didn't and know that. what's her name? Because I thought Luke yeah, Wilson he, was in that. Uh, oh. probably, but Ethan's one of the bad guys. Okay, that might because I thought I thought Luke Wilson was the, the the good guy, or not the good guy, but the guy at the hotel. I don't remember who the girl yeah. is then, but um, uh, it's the girl from Underworld. Oh, okay, Beckinsale, is that right? Yeah, pretty sure. Uh huh. Okay. Um, and then yeah. there was uh oh man, the more independent film where it was kind of a home invasion movie. But it's weird. Oh, shoot. I can't. I just what? watched it at like Halloween. I cannot think of what it's called. I think that I watched that too. Um, no. It, they have like no. the, the, the masks on their face. Like the, yes, the sheet masks. Yes, I've seen that. Why can't I think of what that's called? 
man, I'm having like you're next. You're, you're next. next. That is what it's called. Um, yeah, and that one's another type of like it's a home invasion movie in essence. Um, and yeah, they're every one of those. The initial premise is definitely scary. Um, even the first um, uh, the Purge is a home invasion movie. It's just you know done in a weird world where it's legal home invasion. Um, yeah, but it's still like you're ultimately afraid of them getting inside. And so yes, I totally get that. that it's that part's scary. And it's where like we should all feel safe in our homes. Yeah, you know, like I feel like, and I don't mean to say it this way because I, you know, with what happened last year, but um, it's very um, oh, I can't think of words right now, but it's you feel like oh, damn it. <laughs> I'll think of it in the middle. No, like you feel not invaded. Um, violated. Like when somebody violated. violated. Yes, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, totally. Words, 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 words. No. But like if you can't be safe at home, where can you be safe? I totally get that. Our, our house was broken into last year about exactly a year ago. And um, the violation that you feel is I think the most lasting element of it. Like the stuff's gone or whatever. Eventually you forget about what they took. But it's still the fact that someone came into your home without permission and took things and this goes the next step because they come into your home when you're there and they mess with you they harass you um and in all honesty i kind of had when i was like 14 um i was staying i was home alone during the summer and my mom was at work my stepdad was at work and uh a knock happened at my door and i look out the people and it's my stepbrother who i hadn't seen for a good year um he didn't live with us and uh i opened the door because it's my stepbrother and what i didn't know is he had a friend with him and they had gotten there i'm not even sure how they got there because they lived far away um and nothing actually happened but they uh the friend did harass me and made me think something was going to happen like i i was really afraid for my life at some point um what yeah and i mean again i don't think i was ever in actual danger but it they made me feel like i was in actual danger and um that's you know that was i although i think i've repressed it because i kind of forgot about it until just now but um I was afraid, and so, like, I definitely get that, and that's where I feel like, um, as a movie viewer, that can only go so far. They don't do a whole lot to make you like the characters um, before they get invaded, you know what I mean? Like, uh, they're rich. Uh, we don't. Even, I counted, because I thought it was really interesting. There are nine uh-huh. shot changes of the characters before you see their face. Like, we see their car. We cut closer to the car because it's all overhead. It's very weird and this kind of surreal look at at the world because we're looking down on the car. It almost looks like a little matchbox car, like animation. Um, And then we're in the car, but we still don't see them. We see their hands. We see their CD player. We see their CDs. We go back outside of the car. And then finally we come in and we see their faces. So we hear them talking. We hear them... um, they're playing this guessing game of like name that song with classical music, which makes them feel a little pretentious, right? Like I know a lot of people can like, anyone can like classical music, but classical music is often associated with the very, to rich. know it, but also to be able to name the, you know, the selections yeah. and things like that. I mean, you're obviously well-versed in it, Yeah. but I don't, um, first, did we give a spoiler warning? No, I didn't. Uh, let's do that. now. it's time to move into spoilers. Go ahead, Corey. Okay, um, if you want to check out Funny Games, you can rent it, you can buy it, um, or if you don't mind spoilers, you can listen full steam ahead, but we will be talking about this movie and its plot in pretty great detail. So, spoilers are coming. Um, yep. 
So yeah, nine shots before we even I see their face. Hadn't noticed that. <clears throat> and then again, we meet them, and they are rich white people. Um, well, it's, duh. It's fairly obvious uh, quickly, especially because again, they're guessing classical music, which I'm very good at name that tune with lyrics. I'm not good with no lyrics, like to know it just by. I mean. I guess that's not true because I can name a lot of songs before the words ever kick in. I feel like we would be a pretty mean karaoke team. Probably, but I'm just I, well, I mean, it would sound awful if I was singing. But <laughs> um, same. <laughs> but um, it was an interesting opening. So I was like, okay, so they're not really trying to make us know these people as people yet. We're just knowing them as what they are, who they like. They are rich white people who are going to their summer home. They're little vacation home for a week or two only um you know and it's a it's a giant massive house on a lake that has other giant massive houses on it um and when we they first pull up into the neighborhood they stop in front of a house and they're like are we on for golf tomorrow i mean it's it's like okay these are real rich fancy white people now we don't get to know so much that's the golf golf coach oh golf is the most expensive sport imaginable <laughs> like just to play a game of golf. Like if you want to like if you want to play basketball, you can probably find a court somewhere you can play. You want to play golf, uh -huh. you want to play golf. I mean really play, not just hit a golf ball. I mean you want to go and play even 9 holes, half a half a game. 9 holes is going to run you at least 10 bucks for the game. At least. No other sport that I can think of except for like bowling requires you to pay to play the game. And then that's playing like a small like course that isn't like high end if you were if you're talking like the pro courses where like the pga play you're dropping a hundred bucks to play a game you know golf's expensive and that's not even counting the equipment that you need because then you got to get you know you can get all sorts of crazy stuff with that and you have to wear khakis and a polo and a visor you got you gotta look there's a dress code <laughs> which is it really yeah no <laughs> you can't play most courses even the small ten dollar courses they won't let you play if you're wearing like if you walk out there and like rip jeans and no shirt i cannot handle this right now yeah no golf is legit golf has a a, a you know there's almost a buy-in <laughs> like you it's an investment to be a golfer so, yeah, no, while I say that, it was definitely, like, it's another sign of that uppityness because here they are, golfers, and um, they're in this, they have this big yacht, well, it's not a yacht, it's a sailboat, but it's it's a nice-looking sailboat. Um, it's a really nice sailboat. Behind their car, and um, we don't know anything about them, we don't see much of their relationship. Um, we also, also, they live in a gated community, like the actual community. We don't know if it's gated, but all of the houses have really big gates in front of them. Mm -hmm. Like you, you know, you pretty much, it would seem like you need to be invited in. You need to be let in because these are yeah. like serious. So you don't get, you don't get any kind of indication of if these are good people or not. They might be, they seem nice. They don't seem like there's an ulterior motive or anything like that, but we don't know a whole lot about them and so if you are especially if you're kind of like right now feeling like you don't have any money and you're kind of struggling financially and then you see like rich white people it's not easy to relate to them like even again i am a white person i'm aware of that but i am not rich i've never been rich i will probably never be rich unless people start really loving this podcast but you know what you can we fully support that yeah i'm fine with that but you know, so it, it is never easy for me to relate to a rich character. But I never disliked them either. Like, there was never anything entirely off-putting no. where 
if I saw these people in public or if, you know, I happened to be in a conversation with them, there's nothing like, it's not like, oh, we're rich, you know, we can't talk to you. Uh, You know, they never make them not likable to us. And yeah, I'm jealous of their house. I will never have a house like that, more than likely. Gosh, their sailboat. I want to go sailing every day of my life. Do you want to know how many times I've gone sailing? Once. Um, You know, like, I'm... I think that their life is awesome, but I don't dislike them because of the things that they have. I don't think that they're no. bad people because, oh, no. No, no. you I, know, I just mm-hmm. don't confuse what I'm saying to be like, I don't think they deserve what they got. That's not, Oh, no. Yeah. I, no, I see. It's they're kind of keeping them kind of neutral to us, I yeah. guess. I, like, we're not. And maybe I'm not trying to rip apart what you're saying. No, I'm just, no, no. I'm not okay. saying you are. I'm saying like I have what I, I can't explain other than. Green Room ruined thrillers for me. I, I have not no, found totally another I've movie that has made me feel as concerned been. as that movie did. And I, they don't do a whole lot of backstory either, to be fair. Like, there's not, like, this long exposition where we learn that, you know, Anton Yelchin's character had, you know, I had a heart condition, and then I was treated, you know, like, there's nothing. It's just he seems like a genuine good person, even early on. And so when bad things start happening to these people who were clearly just trying to get home— there is a sympathy that they pulled in, and I don't know what it was. I don't know if it's maybe because I was a musician. I don't know if it's because of – actually, I don't feel like I was a big Anton Yelchin fan before Green Room. Um, oh. And you were. I don't think I was. I, I he, oh boy. major afterwards, and I've seen most of his movies now, but I think the only thing I'd seen him in before that was the Star Trek movies, which mm-hmm. he's great in those, but he was a small character in the first two. He's a bigger character in the third movie than he was in the first two, from what I remember seeing them. I mean, it might have been I was more aware of him when I saw the third one. But, um, you know, he'd already passed away at that point. I also had already seen Green Room twice and was a huge fan of that. And, but I've seen most of his movies now, and I am a big fan now. But going in, I didn't have that connection to him, where I do like, I liked, I love Tim Roth in so many movies. And Naomi Watts, she's done some flops for sure, but she's also done a lot of stuff I enjoy. I still respect. Yeah, exactly. And she's one of those few uh, actresses that I still respect her and I still will be more than likely pulled to see a movie because she's in it. And while I feel like there's there's something (laughs) I feel like (laughs) never living it down. There is something about Michael Pitts that's slightly off putting um, with like I don't know what it is. There's there's a maybe it's his pouty lips that like it just he seems I love him but he's I generally enjoy him in the movies that I remember seeing with him and I particularly again thought he was great in this I just never felt I don't know maybe I didn't feel like they had a I don't know um let's get into some spoilers because I think the thing that really threw me more than anything was the fourth wall breaking <laughs> yes I yeah and uh the fact that he's the only character that ever which is fine. Like I'm fine with that, especially because he's crazy. So you could even write that off. Oh as, yeah, he's nuts. He's not breaking the fourth wall. He's just breaking the fourth wall in the movie. You know what I mean? Like in the context of the world he's in. He's like just he doesn't like, know there's a there's a maybe he's maybe he's schizophrenic. I can yeah. totally see that. Yeah, yeah. Where could, it's not like oh hey audience. Yeah, he's not actually talking to us. He's just like in in their world the characters are watching him talk to the wall like it's an aside to himself like oh this is when I kill people and they're just like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? You know, like maybe that's what it's supposed to be. And I would buy that from the first two times he breaks the wall. The third time the movie went off the rails in my opinion. And that's, I want to get to, 
Um, the movie's got some dark stuff that happens for sure. It's not as dark as I thought. Like I thought, I one when you tell me home invasion, I was expecting a horrific rape sequence, which there's not, and that was a relief, mind you. I and was, I'm I was, glad that they didn't because if I, mm, you know, I just can't. No, I, can't, I agree. Like that is often a thing that will keep me away from a movie. Um, I would have never probably watched it again. Yeah, and when I know that that's going to be in movies. Yeah, a lot of times I will avoid that movie because like honestly, I I didn't let my daughter watch this movie, but honestly, she totally could. Like it's really mm-hmm. there's bad language, but you know, I'm not one to protect her from language because I can't control what she hears when she's not around me. And let's be honest, I'm not the best at controlling myself when it comes to cursing. So, um it, that's not my concern. There is no nudity, although Naomi Watts does get forced into her bra and underwear for a very small, well, no, I guess for a while, but it's it's she's covered up like really it's not like we never see it you do it's... see her in her bra and underwear um yeah but you we know that she is nude oh yeah but we we don't actually see it no but it's all shoulder up um mm-hmm. and the bras it's slightly revealing but it's not that revealing and the violence it covers is... anything, so. yeah yeah it's a it's like a bikini and the violence is predominantly off screen although the aftermath is visible um mm-hmm. but uh, there is one the the only time the violence is on screen actually comes back to that fourth wall break. So we'll get to that moment. Yeah. But um, they do kill um, their son Georgie first, and that's brutal. Like that's that got me. I was, but again, it happens off camera. So it it it. I'm glad it happens off camera because I don't want to see a kid be shot. But it is it does lessen the blow because you don't you don't even like. You don't see him point the gun at the kid and then off camera blood splatter. Like it's all off camera from what I remember. Like Yeah, and then we see his body. Yeah. And um, mainly from the, I, the the head down, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Neck down. Neck down, sorry. Um what I oh god words. Um but I think also this situation is so hopeless. Like we know, we know that the next door neighbors aren't anymore. Yeah, and I'm surprised they didn't put that together. Same, because there is no way that they would have left them because someone would have called the police or someone would have gone to find the police. There was no way they would have left them alive. And this whole situation is just absolutely hopeless. Yeah, and and to be fair, when you say we know, we don't know because they didn't. They never showed it. They don't. Yeah, not early on, at least. But but anyone with any kind of sense picks up on these guys are. They already killed those people. One, they noted that their friends were acting weird, and then we later meet uh, Paul, and that's okay. Well, that's why he's. They're acting weird because they have to. They're putting a front on. Um, We do later confirm that they killed the kid, their kid. Uh, that was Georgie's like girlfriend or something. Um, that's confirmed, but we never see the bodies of the the neighbors. But it's it's pretty much they're dead. Um, and by the end of the movie, I think that it's confirmed with how they how they leave the ending. But um, we should once say uh, again, we're not following the plot in any particular fashion. We're just kind of talking about what we thought about it. Um, they the bad guys win, which was interesting. Yeah, not a common. Yeah, I was wondering how they were going to get out of it, and I, I thought Naomi Watts would find... In fact, um, he does do some good stuff with that. Uh, early in the movie, um, they're getting their sailboat set up, and, and Naomi Watts gives Georgie a sharp knife and says, make sure you bring it back. And we see... I would like to see this again. I love her verbiage with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I'm and like, it, what? And then I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, bring it back. And they don't. They leave it in the, the, the ship, and he makes a point of showing it. Anytime, anyone who's ever watched the movie and knows at least basic cinematic language knows Foreshadowing. if you see a close-up of a knife or a gun or something, it will come back to play a role in the plot at some point. So I initially think, okay, so most likely Naomi Watts is going to end up in the boat and she will stab them and that's how she'll get away. Not what happens. She does find the knife and she tries to cut her uh, the rope off, but they see it. No big deal. <sighs> and I'm jumping around a lot, but I have to, since we're in the boat with the knife, I have to say... The way they finish her off was so unceremonious. It was shocking. It was so, and I do remember this, like, I do remember this from the very first time that I watched this movie. This movie used to be kind of hard to get a hold of, so I had to just purchase it. And I bought it when I still lived in Florida. I think that I heard about it in a roundabout way from Brendan, but through one of our mutual friends um, told me about it, so I checked it out. But, uh... I remember that too. It was to me completely unexpected. Yeah. I like not even like poop. Like oops. Well, yeah. Bye. You keep expecting her to to get away. Or like that's just not. And I don't really think about you know the whole like what I, I like technical things about film and stuff. But it was just totally unexpected, and you don't you you know that's not how it's going to end. Yeah, and even Peter. How can that be the way it ends? Peter's like, wait, why'd you do that? We still had like 40 minutes before the bet was over. And he's like, yeah, I was bored. And it's like, oh, man. And I'm kind of hungry. Like, totally, like, n- no one stands a chance. Yeah, no no one. And it's weird because there's a lot of things they do that, like, I feel like they could have fought harder because they, they didn't handcuff them right away. Like, um, they're, they're able to walk around the house without them following. And that, okay, I... <sighs> I'm going to sound like a nutcase. Why didn't I feel like I shouldn't even say this on the podcast, but I would expect if you have like a home that's vacant most of the year, I would think you would have a weapon, you know, I would think you would have something there. You know what I mean? Even I was, I'm thinking a gun, but like even a baseball bat, I mean, they have golf clubs and stuff, but I just that is a huge think, house and it's I, mm. I think that's a side effect of um, that w- privilege where you just don't expect anything to happen to you because you have the gate and you have the fancy. Yeah. You know, and, um, and I mean, they do have oh. a kid. They have a kid. OK. So. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. the kid. Yeah, definitely. So I can understand. But then I'm just like <laughs> there. But I totally agree. And first of all, let me tell you that if my husband didn't ever back me up over some punk ass little boys. Oh, I know. That was, pow, pow, pow. Smacks, that man. That the one of the worst parts about the character is that, like, I get maybe that he wants to be polite, and he did meet Paul through his friend Fred, so he's, you know, don't be a, you know, maybe she's Keeping up appearances, leave. yeah. But, man, the way he, like, doesn't back her Rights up when her she's off? clearly uncomfortable with these two guys, but more so, why he was even in the house was he heard the dog barking, and then he heard it stop barking abruptly. And how about... This is the first time that I, Mm -hmm. we already gave a spoiler warning, I suggested a movie where the dog dies. Which? John still has like three on me. I want to point out though. But, yeah. The worst visual of the dead dog in any of the movies. I know. And also, very realistic. Yeah, too. Too realistic. So, Paul killed the dog. We don't see that. can I honestly tell you that I totally forgot where the dog was. I forgot because it has been a very long time since I've seen this movie. 
I thought that it was under the house or something. Yeah. I totally forgot where it was. Puts it in the back of the, the Jeep or whatever, the car that they have, the SUV. And when she opens it's probably it, a Land Rover. Because I forget what – she went to get something. They sent her to get something. I don't remember what it was. No. Oh, but they uh, – I forget that too. But then they made her go on the hunt for the dog. Oh, is that what – that's what she's getting then. She's she's looking for the dog. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. He's she's like, like warmer, colder. And then yep. she opens the, the SUV. And the dog falls out in, like, this horrific... lifeless body. They got the weight right. They got, like, just everything. I mean, I don't know anything about physics, okay? But it just looked so real. real. It was, was, I think, of all the movies we've seen that had dead dogs in it, this was by far the worst. (sighs) Well, Cheap Thrills was not for the podcast, though, right? So... Cheap Thrills. Um, I made. Didn't you watch that one? The the Ethan Embry and um, yeah 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 yeah. But we didn't watch that for the podcast. That was uh, you watched that one because I watched it. But that was maybe yeah. the worst. But it also looked really fake. This one looked real. Yeah, this. And mm. that's what it was like. Everything, it was heartbreaking. It was like, oh my god. Yeah, everything about this, like from the dog, like. And first of all, can we say something? I don't have a dog. I want a dog. They're maybe a little too high maintenance for my life. Sometimes I like to run away. But um, if my dog doesn't like, I feel like animals are very um, yeah intuitive, intuitive of people. And if my dogs or if a dog that I love doesn't trust somebody, I feel like that's like Jesus. Let's go back to the conjuring where the dog won't go into the freaking house. Guess what? I wouldn't go into that I house. Mean, I think you, you know your dog. Like some dogs bark at everything. Yeah. I have a dog who barks at everybody. But the second people are in the house, she's usually cool. It's like mm-hmm. the initial like approach. She's like, oh, my God. And sometimes she'll even like if she doesn't but, see us right away, yeah. she'll freak out. But we know the dog. You know what I mean? Like and they know their dog and they were clearly taken aback by why is he barking like that? Yeah, that's a sign. They're evil. Like, don't let them in the house. Yeah. But OK, so not getting into all like every plot point, but that part was really disturbing. But going back to the breaking of the fourth wall and why I thought she was going to get away. So she uh, the kid is dead. They they thought they were free for a minute. But now they're back. The guys have come back. They've got them, the husband and the wife. The husband is injured. Again, Tim Roth has had almost nothing to do in this movie. Um, and it's I, not his fault, but I just felt like they could have given him so much more to do. I love him so much. And I still felt like he played the character very well. I just feel like this husband was kind of a pushover. Well, they, they take him out early. They, they break his kneecap, which, I, by the way, that when he hit him with the golf club, had no idea how he hit him in the leg. I thought he hit him in the head. Like, the way they shoot it, like, it looks like they hit him in the head with the golf club. And it wasn't until he's like, let him look at your leg, that I'm like, he hit him in the leg? Like, it didn't look like he swung at his leg. It looked like he swung down on his head. But, okay, hit him in the leg. Um, And uh, clearly has a fracture because his knee is bleeding really bad and he can't walk on it. So, probably fractured his kneecap. Um, And so he's kind of disabled throughout the film. But still, like, even he doesn't say a whole lot. And when he does, it's not... A lot of times what they do doesn't seem to make sense. There is a couple of emotional moments with Naomi Watts and him that I thought were really great. And again, both of them performed well. I just felt like he wasn't given a whole lot to the do. The character, yeah. Also, I was when I was watching this movie, I was pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, but I was pretty sure that all three, George, Georgie, and Anne, would all pass your crying test. Yes, they all cry very well on screen. Um, Georgie... <laughs> I didn't like until he got to to like when in the beginning of the movie he was a little whiny and then um 
even like the whole scene where he's like running away from Paul in the the neighbor's house didn't love um he, a lot of the things he was doing oh. didn't make sense which i get he's a scared kid but it still just was like okay you're 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 moving and like you're being really loud like you're trying to hide like you've played hide and seek before right you get the concept like silence is important here but um fine we can write that off as a kid being a kid in a scary situation like who knows how you would gonna you're gonna act in that scenario but i mean he does get the gun and that was impressive it doesn't work out for him, but you know, um, but the gun. So he, Georgie, brings the gun into the the party, so to speak, and um, they kill Georgie. Now the parents are back. the The guys are back. They have the parents again, even though there was hope for a minute that they were going to get away. Now it's clear. Nope, you never had a chance. Um, but Naomi Watts grabs the gun, shoots Peter, which looks really fake, like super fake like he flies back oh yeah the way his body yeah yeah even like the like it kind of goes into like a slow motion kind of thing like where like it was clearly to make the effect work where he like flew backwards um the whole thing looked kind of bad but that's not what upset me it's what happens next and i still can't figure out what we're supposed to take from this but paul says where's the remote finds the remote to the tv hits rewind and then the movie starts rewinding up until the point where she grabbed the actually before she grabbed the gun. And now when she goes to grab the gun, Paul knows it's going to happen and grabs the gun and stops her. Now, there are three scenes in the movie that are like this Two where Paul just talks to us. This time he takes control over the movie. So I don't know if this is the director saying that none of this is happening. This is all in Paul's head. Um, if, you know, maybe this is like. Maybe it's all, maybe Paul sees it happening before it happens. Like he maybe is like predicting what she's going to do. And this is just a visual metaphor for that process of us thinking through like all the cause and effect scenarios that could happen. Um, the reason why I don't ride roller coasters, because when I look at it, I see all the possible deaths that could happen. So I don't get on it. Um, maybe that's what it's supposed to represent, but there's no clear distinction. It does appear that he just has this power where he can make things happen. But again, it only happens in this one instance, which makes it a really weird scene that stands out as if it's a, from a different movie. And that's where I think the movie really fails for me is because I'm like, what is this? Why? If you're going to do something like this, use it multiple times. Make it a cool element of the film where he goes to do one thing, something goes wrong and he retro fixes it. You know, OK, cool. That's an interesting concept. But to shove it in in this one moment felt really, really out there for me. I agree. I think like the whole um, each of the instances to me is very, um, I don't know, you I feel like, you know, that I kind of like my stories don't necessarily have my movies don't have to necessarily be like linear, but I want them to make sense, you know. Um, So that to me is very I don't really I don't really understand the point of it in the movie either. Um, I don't think that it has a point. I'm not really sure about that. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't understand the use of it in this movie, no. which and that doesn't necessarily mean anything because sometimes I just don't understand stuff. And you know what I mean? Yeah. But um, it like it does. It kind of it does break like that scariness, which is weird. It does because when it happened, I was like, yes. Here is where the hero, the victim, yeah. get to come back. Even if it's maybe she only gets to take out Peter. Okay, 
but it's a, it's at least a win, you know. After it's they kill your son, yeah. she gets some some semblance of, of revenge. Um, mm-hmm. And I was anticipating that because most movies don't end dark, and I I do yeah. appreciate that this movie does do that. The the bad guys win, and it looks like they're going on for their third house. Maybe who knows how many actually. Um, I think they're just knocking off the whole neighborhood, and, man. No, and I I am a practical like I'm a a pragma, pragmatist most of the time, and so my first thought was like, wait a minute, so. We have to assume that the first people they were with all night and didn't sleep. We didn't see them sleep this, yeah. this night. And now they're going right to a third house? Like, yeah. maybe they're dead. Maybe, like, because, like, you would die eventually. Like, I don't know how many days they hadn't slept, but. That's true. I hadn't really thought about that, but um, that is true. And I was wondering, and it totally didn't connect to me when he's telling, oh, I'm getting their names mixed up, Peter. Yeah. Brady Corbett. Yeah. When he's telling him, "Don't fall asleep now," because he's like, "It's dark in here. Don't fall asleep now." You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. And how long can you live without getting sleep? I don't know how long you can live. I know after supposedly seventy-two hours, you start to go crazy. Now they're already crazy, so I don't know if that applies to them or not. Yeah. Um, if that would have any. Yeah. If they get crazier. Um. I mean, that he does. Peter eats raw meat. Um. He's eating. You don't really see it, but he's holding the steak that we saw her cut and put into the refrigerator earlier. And he's holding that package, and so, and he even uh, Paul says, "You ate that meat; it was not cooked." So he's eating raw steak, which is not not bad for you, but not good for you. Uh, definitely, there's a risk of disease. Although I'm sure this is like high end organic, you know, grass fed beef, so it's probably fine. Um, and then they eat like they don't eat a lot either. Is I guess what I'm getting to. They they mention food several times, but they never really eat anything. Now, many movies he you calls, don't see characters eat. Yeah. You don't have uh, to see he, people eat. But given the him, circumstances. Sorry, go ahead. Energy. Um Corbett. Uh no 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 no. Paul, whatever his name is. He he gets called Tubby so many times. Peter gets so called. So many times. Yeah. Sorry, I'm getting their names mixed up. But um yeah. Yeah, I it, don't know. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of the. It's it's a surreal movie in in several ways, especially the fourth wall breaking. But again, it's so inconsistent because the first two times, while he talks to the audience, I can pass We're that. Not off. really sure. Yeah. yeah, we already explained how it could have made sense within the world of the movie. And then again, I'm not opposed to a character knowing they're in a movie. It's been done many times. I mean, uh, Saved by the Bell was built along the premise that Zach Morris could time out and talk to us at any time. <laughs> Um, Parker Lewis can't lose spoke to the fourth wall all the time. Ferris Bueller did it. I'm good with that. You know, I'm, I can work with that, but they went beyond breaking the fourth wall and he, he commandeered the movie. And so like there wasn't enough precedence for that ability. And again, it could be a visual metaphor. There might be something that I don't get the director was going for and it might work. Well, that, um, and I'm, read this before um that this whole movie is his commentary on violence in media yeah I didn't and make any sense. yeah sometimes like i don't know i don't want to say supposed commentary but it doesn't it's not translating well to me no because then you just want to make a violent movie and that's what you're condemning that they make you know um but let me see I'm trying to think um Da, 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 da. It's a little unsatisfying uh, to me that, but then again, it also makes it more terrifying that we're never given any like, who are these guys or why are they doing it What's or their yeah, there's... Why, yeah, 
And that could be uh, the the commentary, I guess. It's senseless violence. There's no real rhyme or reason. Word. Even the okay. the bet that they make, um, there's there's no stakes. It's just a bet. I bet you'll be dead before nine. And then like uh, Peter points out, well, how will they pay if they're dead? But there's nothing to pay. Like there's never a oh, there's no stipulations put to the no bet. Major. Yeah, it's just we're. I bet you, like, it's like and, a kid saying, I bet you I can do 10 push-ups. Like, no, okay, and then you do 10 push-ups, but you don't establish what you win. You just say, I bet. Um, um, I think um, that part, though, where they, he says that, um, we bet that in 12 hours you'll be kaput. Like, just his verbiage and how nonchalant he is about it. Um, and then uh, – the look on Naomi Watts's face at that point and the realization that they might not actually live through this. Yeah. Like, I think that that's when they're first aware that this isn't you know, just some punk kid who's harassing them. Like, yeah, this is, this is serious. This is happening. They still don't seem to be aware that the neighbors are dead. Cause no, at some point they're like, Fred's going to come over and like, Oh, what are they going to spank us? It's like, Oh yeah. Do and they're he does... alive? Like, yeah. I, yeah. But, okay, um, I think I am done talking about funny games. Do you have anything uh, we didn't say that you want to bring up? I feel like John thinks that I wasted his time. No, no, <laughs> I, I don't think this is a, one, I don't think it's, um, it's not an avoid like the plague by any means, nor is it a to- not a total waste of time. I would give this movie a decent watch. Hmm. This is always hard for me. Go with your heart, um. Corey. And I always want to see Let It Go. I've never seen the movie Frozen. I want everybody to know. <laughs> um, so, uh, I see, I'm going to go with the decent watch, too, because given the parameters of Not Quite Golden Pony Boy, I do not agree with most of those parameters. Got it. Well, there you have it, folks. We both are lukewarm on the movie. Corey likes it more, I think, but it's definitely... Um, there's a lot of little weird things in the film. There is, it's a really good performance by Michael Pitt. Um, I, like, I feel like it's a good performance by everybody. Yeah, that's that's true. There's not a bad performance. I do feel like, again, you get Tim Roth and then you don't give him anything to really do. That bugs me because I like Tim Roth a lot. He's I, so great. Yeah. I love him too. I mean, he does get a little bit. Like the scene where he's trying to use the phone uh, is powerful or yeah. whatever, but uh, oh. it's just so little. Um, but Naomi Watts does a pretty great job. There's a few things that I, I question. Um, some of the some of the logic, like the way the characters behave, does not seem sensible. And again, it is one of those things they're in a non-logical situation, so you don't know how someone would actually behave. So you have to be a little flexible with with human behavior in that environment. It's not normal. It is not. It is an extreme situation. And who knows how one would act in such a situation? Until we we would be in it. Yeah. Yeah. But um, hopefully not. That is our review for um, Funny Games from 2007. Uh, next week, um, we're going to be watching a movie uh, called Delicatessen from 1991. Um, oh, hey. Ri- uh, directed by Mark Caro and Jean-Pierre Genois. Uh, written by Jean-Pierre Genois and Mark Caro and others. Um, this is the third movie that we'll be watching by this director. Um, we watched Amelie and we watched uh, Alien Resurrection. And now we're no. watching Delicatessen. Um, One of those we loved. One of those. Not so much. And we, I think it's, it was mutual hate. And I do want to plug, um, I'm a big fan of movies with Mikey from Chainsaw Suit Original on YouTube. Um, and he is currently working on his Amelie episode. And that should be out uh, either oh. this coming week or the following week. 
Um, and he said it's, it's a very personal one for him. So um, if you know Mikey Newman, um, he is a very, very intelligent, very funny film analyst on YouTube. Um, he was a writer for Gearbox Studios who did the Borderlands games. And um, he recently left that and is pushing Chainsaw Suit Original Mike, Movies with Mikey as his uh, career right now. That's what he's trying to live off of. Um, and I'm a huge fan of his uh, his video essays, and I think that's what I would call them. Um, he's got some really cool insights. I, I've watched most of his, but I'm, I'm very excited to see the Amelie one. I'm hoping, um, you know, uh, it's going to be great like most of his other ones. But um just wanted to plug that. If you liked our Amelie episode, if you like Amelie, uh, take a look at that. Uh, Movies with Mikey on YouTube. Um, the Amelie episode should be out. I, I think it'll be out next week because he's been talking about it on Twitter all week that he's editing it and stuff. So um, something to look forward to. But we will be, by coincidence, doing Delicatessen next week. It is supposed to be available on Netflix on July 1st, which is uh, the day you're hearing this, the day after. Uh, so you'll hear hearing this on July 2nd probably. And it is on Netflix July 1st, hopefully. Um, if not, we're still watching this movie, but it's supposed to be on Netflix according to their release schedule this week. Um, so feel free to watch it with us. We would love for you to uh, give us your comments on Delicatessen um, ahead of time so we can read them on the podcast. You can tweet at me, at Burke Reviews. Um, you can tweet at Corey, at... Corey, our star, two R's on the end. Or you can email us or leave a comment on this episode um, and tell us what your thoughts of Delicatessen are. And we might read them on the uh, podcast next week. Um, until then, uh, w watch all the movies, folks. And Corey, I will see you for top five movies. Hey, hey. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. Peace. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com. <laughs>